Hello, I'm Alexandra Coffey of Grow Where You're Planted. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Australian artist and author Damien Lenane. Damien and I crossed paths some years ago, but more recently we collaborated on a ghostwriting project for Amazon. In recent months, he's produced and published his very own novel and has a memoir now in the works. We discuss all things today, really, from lockdown to lock-in to how to stay motivated and sane during a global pandemic. Thanks for chiming in. Uh, thanks for having me here. Yeah. My absolute pleasure. How's your day been? Um, yeah, pretty good. So yeah, pretty nice day, uh, considering everything that's going on in the world, I guess. Um, yeah. How have you been? <laughs> I have nothing to complain about. Yep. Absolutely nothing to complain about. Mm. I'm really, really interested, Damien. You you posted an article on social media kind of around the time Australia locked down in late March. Mm-hmm. And the article that you published was in response to asinine claims about people spending a fortnight quarantining in all expenses paid hotels. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Why, why was this so triggering for you? Oh, it was actually an interesting story about how that came about. Uh, so I, I, um, I was a writer, like freelance journalist for 10 Daily, Network 10's website. Um, ironically, they've actually just shut down a couple of weeks ago because of coronavirus. But um, I was writing for them semi-regularly and um, I submitted them a uh, like opinion piece I wrote about coronavirus and the prison system and... Um, how like uh like the US and Europe and even Iran were releasing inmates low risk ones um to try and offset uh, how bad coronavirus would be once it got to prisons and I, I sent that article to my editor and um yeah for whatever reason it wasn't really his cup of tea but he um he counter suggested that I write an article about um people who were con- uh, comparing uh, their quarantine isolation after returning from overseas in these five-star hotels to prisons. And um, I actually uh, was a bit hesitant at first, but uh, he, he sent me this email with examples of what people were saying and I opened them up. And um, once I read that, I kind of changed my mind because uh, there was like a, a social media influencer who was saying... Um, her five-star hotel was worse than prison because she couldn't open her window and she had to refill her drink bottle, uh, her like a bottle of water from the tap. And there was uh, like an, the, she wasn't alone. She, there was an ABC journalist who um, uh, compared his, uh, yeah, called his hotel a prison because he had to wash his clothes in the sink. And there was an interview with a guy from uh, oh, SBS News did this interview with a guy and he said, uh, yeah, he was being treated worse than um uh, prisoners were at Long Bay, and um, as I wrote my article, like it was, it was very clear that man has not been to Long Bay. Um, yeah, so from there, I was like, um, caps lock key on, and I just unleashed the fury, and I just just wrote this article. It only, it only probably took me about fifteen minutes or so, and I sent it off to him, and uh, yeah, they they were happy to publish that, and um, and. The the funniest thing was though that uh the Daily Mail ended up writing an article about the article I wrote so uh, um it, it it made some waves out there I guess yeah 
Wow, mm. she, wrote, she wrote the whole thing in fifteen minutes. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I took that off. But like, um, yeah, I was just um, in, in insulting really because uh, yeah, like this woman, she said it was um, it was worse than prison because she uh, like um, couldn't open her window and there was no fresh air and and, and like you know by comparison, you know, I actually having been to prison myself, like I I couldn't keep the cold air out in window in winter because um because my window didn't have any glass in it. So, you know, it was yeah, that that, that that's um a little bit worse than getting no fresh air, for example. And yeah, it was just the fact that these people could complain at all, like um, you know, that they're, they're using social media and uh, their platforms on websites to 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 talk about how how bad situation was and you know you that there's no internet in prison there's not even any um in new south wales there aren't even any um computers like I, I wanted i finished my undergraduate degree a week before i went in and i wanted to start a master's while i was in there um make the most of the time and um and as the education department explained to me they that wasn't a possibility purely because there, there wasn't uh any computer access at all let alone internet access so you know um yeah, it was uh, it was a bit insulting to, like, I mean, I get that you know people are struggling in lockdown, and I don't want to take that away from anyone because um, you know the, the the struggle is real. But um, yeah, it was it, yeah it got under a bit under my skin when I heard people saying it was worse than prison when they clearly don't know what they're talking about. You know, yeah. sort of highlighting people's privilege to I think this time in history. Yeah, um, definitely. It's, mm. You've you've recently published a book, Damien. It's beautifully written. I really mean that. What what motivated you to write it? Well, uh, yeah. So that actually ties in a bit with what I was saying because, um, yeah, I, I went into the prison system, and when, when I was getting sentenced, I, I didn't know how it was going to go, and I was like, oh, look, worst case scenario, I'll get six to twelve months, um, and I'll have a quiet place to start my masters. But then I went in there, I got ten months, and. Um, they told me I um, yeah couldn't study. Um, uh, I was considered too low risk of uh, reoffending to be eligible for rehabilitation, and and but uh, most concerningly, um, they uh, told me there was uh, no therapy um, for inmates and minimum security. It just wasn't on the agenda. So I I had I was looking at ten months with uh, no education, no therapy, and no rehabilitation, and I. Started to freak out a bit at first. Um, my friends had asked me if I was scared to go to prison, and I said, you know, I wasn't. You know, I've been in the army for over five years. I figured it couldn't be worse than that, and it isn't. But um, yeah, when I realised I um, had, I was looking at nothing constructive to do. I um, started to worry at first, but then I just decided I needed to make the most of the situation I had. And um, yeah, three days in, I started writing the book I'd been, you know, the novel I'd been thinking about writing since I was 17. So that was like 12 years at that stage, but, you know, between uni and life and relationships that had just never happened. And, um, yeah, so three days in, I started writing that. And um, five months later, I had a first draft completed. And it, it was really a way for me to escape in there. Like uh, most people um try you need to find a way to like you know um inverted commas escape in prison one way or another and a lot of people turn to to drugs and things like that but for me it was um just the the, the world i created in the novel because uh you don't have a lot of control over pretty much anything in prison like on two occasions they the guards just came and told me they're like oh we're moving you to a different prison um first time was because of overcrowding 
And uh, yeah, just just like, yeah, pack your stuff, you're going tomorrow. And I had friends who were coming to visit me that weekend who couldn't anymore. Like, you know, just things are all over the shop. You've got no control over it. But um, yeah, I, I had certainly had control over the story was I, I was writing. It was like, you know, I, I had complete control over this one thing. But more than that, I just was I was fascinated to see where it was going like I I couldn't wait to get locked in of an evening just so I could get to writing the next chapter because um I had no idea what was going to happen either like um people asked me if I if I planned it all out in advance and and no like at no point did I know what was going to happen more than about three chapters ahead like I think I finished out figured out how it was going to end about four chapters before the before the ending but other than that it was just um uh, yeah uh, the, 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 my original target audience was me i guess and i just i couldn't wait to get back in to to, to see what happened next yeah. so kind of stream of consciousness automatic writing would that be how you describe it yeah yeah because it wasn't um wasn't planned and i only got stuck once and i had to think about it for two weeks i kind of written myself into a corner but then i i went back and i i adjusted some things i i wrote a second character into the book or another character rather and um and i made it work from there but uh yeah it was definitely um not planned i'm i'm really glad i didn't actually write it when i was 17 because it probably would have been dreadful because i um i drew <laughs> yeah <laughs> i drew from a lot of um experiences that actually happened over the course of my life and including um some that were leading up to prison and actually uh, ooh, uh there's a chapter of my novel that's in prison and uh having been in there at the time like i can uh, uh i don't know if my police procedures are right in fact i'm pretty sure they're not because i i just made them up but um i know that that <laughs> chapter in prison is very accurate that like anyone who's been to prison will get a big kick out of it i mean people generally like uh like that chapter anyway but um yeah anyone who's actually been to prison will just be like yeah that that's that's spot on that's exactly how this happens and uh <laughs> yeah and 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 all written by hand without access to the computer yeah, and that was actually, um, so I'm writing a memoir at the moment and uh, people kept saying I needed to do that partially just to explain how I wrote the book because uh, that's a story in itself. Like um, uh, first, uh, yeah, chapter one, um, the search for paper. Um, it was really difficult to find paper for the first six weeks because um, you, you can order things in prison. It's called buy up, like anything from tuna to chocolate to a writing pad. And, uh, but when you order it, like it turns up a couple of weeks later and for the first few weeks, um, they kept moving me around because of the, there was really bad overcrowding at the time. So every time I ordered something, by the time it turned up, I'd moved on and, and it doesn't follow you along and they just refund it and send it back. So I couldn't order a writing pad for about six, six or eight weeks, I guess. And so for, for the first couple of months, um, I was like trading my desserts with people for paper. Like, you know, some guys like, like I got, I got three sheets and I'm like, I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to write two, two lines per line on the actual paper, but double sided. And, um, yeah, I've still got scans of some of the like original like chapters I, I, I wrote and it's just, um, it's a mess. It's cause you know, you, you're going back and you're trying to change things and, uh, you know, there's, you, you don't have access to things like liquid paper. So there's crosses, things crossed out everywhere. And, um, and also every, I only had one copy of the, the, the um, novel. So, um, manuscript so every time i wrote a chapter i actually had to write it twice and then i'd post a copy to one of my best friends um outside and i just said look just keep the, all these 
envelope safe in case there's a riot or somebody just steals my manuscript to see uh to to, to watch the drama unfold that kind of stuff happens in prison and and so i i had this second copy that was posted to my friend which thankfully i'd never ended up having to use but yeah i had to write it by hand and i had to write it by hand twice just to make sure i had a backup copy in the you know like the equivalent of a cloud in prison i guess <laughs> there's different restrictions in different security levels i was in minimum so like uh, no we, we could get pens so um uh but uh, yeah i definitely went through a lot i probably went through like a dozen writing pads and uh you know probably 30 pens or something ridiculous but uh yeah there was um it, it wasn't just that either it was um my novel's a crime thriller. It's, as you know, it's a, it's about a serial killer, and um, uh, that I had to hide the fact I was writing it from the guards because um, uh, it's it would have been a lot of red flags if they had found out I was writing something violent. Like um, it probably uh, put put it, things in perspective. I had a friend in there. Like yeah, everyone has hobbies, and he used to like writing comic strips that you know entertain people. Um, and, uh, he, one of the comic strip he wrote ended with a stick figure of, um, I can't even remember what the punchline was, but the, the stick figure was like climbing over the prison wall and he was escaping and the guards found it posted up on his wall. It's, you know, it's funny. People would come in and re- read it when they were in his cell and, um, and they saw that there and they confiscated it and they put him in isolation while they investigated his plans mm-hmm. to escape based on a stick figure climbing over a wall. So I knew I was going to be in a world of hurt if they found out I was writing a book about a serial killer. So um, I, yeah, I, I took you know, efforts to hide that. I, um, I, I was keeping a journal as well, and I kept the pages in my uh, um, novel, like in the middle of my journal, in hopes that when they came and searched my cell as they do, they'd... Uh, they just kind of over, yeah, I think it was all, look, you know, one, one journal. And uh, thankfully they never like stopped and read through the whole thing. But uh, yeah, so there was, I was a bit on edge the whole time I was writing it because, uh, yeah, I was worried the guards would find it, but then I was, you know, I, I was worried someone would you know, it'd steal it just to, just to mess with me or, or something like that. But uh, yeah, so it wasn't um, in one way, it was the perfect um, area to write in because, you know, I, 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 it never would have happened if I hadn't gone in there because there was there wasn't anything else for me to do at the time. But at the same time, it was um, it was quite stressful and you know ironic. I, it wouldn't have happened if I had gone in there. But it, it took me five months to write. It probably would have taken me two if I had a had a computer. But uh, <laughs> you know, at, at least I got it done. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. people are they're feeling all sorts of psychological upheaval globally right now. I, I really don't think there's much argument there mm. is, is there anything that you feel uh, that you could offer as a means of suggestion or support to those struggling mm. with lockdown you know i'm loath to um, use the term advice I, I think it's tacky but just yeah, fair enough you know yeah well um well uh, you know this is probably tacky as well but i mean it's true you know that that old cliche you know life's 10 percent what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And, uh, you know, that's one of those turf aphorisms that gets thrown around. But I, I really think it's true. And, like, I, I went in there and, like, there's two really depressing things about prison. One's the complete lack of anything constructive to do with your time. And the second thing is the fact that if there was constructive things, um, two-thirds of the people in there wouldn't, wouldn't use them anyway. Like, pe- people 
people in there are doing it hard. They feel sorry for themselves. They spend the whole time searching for cigarettes or drugs or, or the next scam they've got going. And um, I just went in there and I was like, right, uh, this is a once in a life oppor- time opportunity. And uh, how can I make the most of this time? Because I'm probably never going to get an opportunity like this ever again. And so, yeah, I, I sat down and I... Um, spent the first five months writing a book and um just the next five months um yeah teaching myself how to draw and I, i've had two art exhibitions since i got out and I'd, I'd never drawn anything before i went in and uh i think the most important thing is just to set set yourself goals which is what i did like um like i'm writing a memoir now and i'm aiming to get about you know two to three thousand words a day and um and that only takes me you know like a, a couple of hours but at the end of the week that's it really adds up and I'm, I think I'm probably going to finish it, that in a couple of weeks actually. But um, yeah, I just think it's um, important to you know, be kind to yourself, but also set yourself goals. I don't know about anyone else, but I, I feel like I've uh, wasted a lot of time if I don't get anything constructive done at the end of the day. But um, yeah, it doesn't mean you have to be doing stuff all the time. Just um, yeah, just chip away towards things and, and, and uh, yeah, just focus on what you can do at the moment rather than what you can't. Like I lost a whole heap of um, opportunities to promote my novel. I um, I was booked at the Newcastle Writers Festival, for example, which got cancelled. But um, yeah, which uh, was a big drag. But I'm like, okay, well, um, you know, I can't do that anymore. So what can I do? And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I focus. Well, first things first. I focused on finishing the master's degree. I couldn't start in prison and now I'm I'm working on the next book and it's nearly done so yeah <laughs> do you ever just sleep yeah. in Damien uh, <laughs> what's the laziest thing like, I, you I, do <laughs> um <laughs> you know it's uh you know I, I feel um like I feel like I've always got a lot of things going on but I mean I I, I do um I come alive at night and that's when I get a lot of my work done. So I, I, I actually normally get up quite late. You know, a lot of my friends who work nine to five are horrified, but you know, that's because I've been up working till like, you know, on something till two in the morning. But um, yeah, I, I do um, try and I used to be worse. I, I used to take on way too many things, but um, I've, I feel like it's a bit more balanced now, but yeah, still I, um, uh, I've always got a few, you know, you know, fingers in different pies, so to speak. And uh, yeah, always working. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, goals. Yeah, I've got I've got several at any given time, and yeah, the, the memoir is just one of them at the moment. <laughs> so yeah. Damien, yeah. where can people find you? Your book, your art. What platforms do you use? Uh, yep. You know, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, I I do have a website. Um, DamienLanane.com. That's L-I-N-N-A-N-E. Um, my novel can be ordered through most bookstores. Um, most bookstores in Newcastle stock it. Um, you can order it through most others, but um, if you can't, or if you just want to order online, um, it's your yeah, most online sellers stock it too. It's it's also on Kindle, Kobo, and um, Booktopia eBooks. Uh, so the novel's um it's called Scarred, and it's written under my name. So um. And you can find my art mostly on Instagram um, at Embers of Retribution is my handle for that. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Damien Lenane, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. What an amazing... No, thanks. It's been great to be here. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to the memoir. Hurry up, would you? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll um, definitely give it to... to well, if I need a few people to help me proofread it and give me some feedback. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll let you know when it's done. I mean, I mean, thank you kindly. Great. Talk to you soon. Sounds great. See you later.